Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Mr. Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? I'm doing great, Eric. Uh, I, was, I was busy this week, though, uh, trying to sell my uh, shares of uh, GameStop. On, <laughs> on, uh, How'd that go? <laughs> I, as we discussed, uh, I act, my, my son actually, back at the beginning of the pandemic, told me I should buy for totally different reasons of why uh, people were manipulating the stock. And, and uh, to, to screw the short sellers. But I actually almost bought 100 shares at about four and change back in March. And then right before I bought uh, on the news with everybody going nuts, uh, looting and stuff, there were two stores, no matter what city uh, they were filming from, there were two stores that were being looted. Uh, Foot Locker, and GameStop. And I thought, GameStop, Foot Locker, how in the hell are they going to show a profit? They're losing their shirts because of the five finger discounts that are going on. So I didn't pull the, pull the plug, but the, you know, GameStop, if any if no, if people don't know what I'm talking about, there's a lot, uh, there was a rebellion. I think actually uh, that, that I want to say, the guy who started Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, during the pandemic, he got into day trading, and he's a pretty sharp guy. He must he must have got into it heavy, and he he determined that if he can get enough people to buy to try to screw the professionals who were shorting stocks, meaning thinking. Their balance sheets were bad. The stocks, they're betting the stock's going to go down in price. Um, so a ton of people just started buying the, uh, the stock, which obviously supply and demand, it raised the price. So all these short sellers were shitting in their drawers, seeing all the losses. And so they had to buy the stock, which just even exploded the price even more so that's just a unfortunate long long boring story about how i could have been sitting on 100 shares of GameStop, a uh, game gamestop stock for less than a year at a cost basis of four dollars and change per share and the other day it was trading at 340 so do the math i could have it, it would have been a nice pick five ticket, right? Not bad. 30, 33,000, something like that. Not yeah. too bad. So, <laughs> so you're a $400 ticket. <laughs> so what you're telling everyone is that your stock market prowess is similar to your horse racing prowess here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, always, always do the opposite of what I should. I, I made a living on it the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, getting into the world of horse racing. We have a exciting weekend with the uh, the Holy Bowl. Always look forward to the Holy Bowl and Fountain of Youth and all the three-year-old prep rates, especially in Florida. I know there's one uh, 
in California. Is it called the Bob Beverly Lewis or something? Or am I making yeah, that? Yeah, uh, the Bob right Lewis. Now? Yeah, Robert yeah. Robert Lewis uh, Stakes is usually yeah. the first. And of course, he called. what did he own? Silver Charm, I want to say. Yeah, he owned, he owned Silver right? Charm. Yep. Oh wow! Uh, look at that! I didn't look it up. I swear. Yeah. I'm impressed with myself. Yeah, he he actually owned Silver Charm. Um, I and now I. I I, I remember free free house was the other horse that ran yep, in the I love free house the free great. house was always playing second fiddle to uh, to silver charm there was a third one in California running um silver charm free house do you remember the other one I can't remember oh it was another I, one the three of them kept going at each other right yeah oh who was it that's ah, bugging me that was the same year. That that was the I don't want to get off top. That was the best three year old crop I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, you know, I, I I only remember probably from the early nineties, uh, so I don't go back that far. Maybe, right. but that's still what like thirty years almost. And that Silver Charm, Captain Bodget, Pulpit, that group yeah. was just. I mean, to me, that was the best group that I've seen in a long time. And I'm still having nightmares about Alex Solis on Captain Bodget. Oh, man, if he kept him away from Silver Charm, he'd be a derby winner, and I would have made a lot of money. But, of course, he has to go right next to Gary Stevens, and Gary Stevens pulled an IRAD before there was IRAD and heard it out. And if you watch the replay, don't tell me that Captain Bodgett would not have won if Gary Stevens didn't interfere. So I haven't right. watched it in 10 years, but he would have won. Right, and, and you could see um, – I forgot Solis was on Captain Bodgett, but he kind of, like, hesitated there. Like yeah, when, I'd have – yeah. When, when he came out. And, and – uh, the reason why I remember Captain Bodge is because um, he was somehow trained by a local Maryland-based trainer, Gary Capuano, who doesn't have a very big barn, um, but his brother, Dale Capuano, has been a staple. Who did you say Capuano trained? Captain Bodge? Captain Bodge. I don't it. think so. I think oh, it was yes, Frank Brothers. I... It wasn't Frank Brothers? No. Oh, he was Pulpit. He was Pulpit Brothers. You're right. right. Same year. Uh, he was the pulpit uh, trainer. I remember watching that derby uh, at Suffolk Downs. I was because I was in Boston at the time. And I remember exactly the TV. I was with my friend Milton Hamlin. And uh, he wasn't a big horse racing guy. And I, I loved pulpit, but I was worried about the distance. And I love Captain Bodgett. So I, I bet an exact, I think, with them. It's a long time ago. But I know I had Captain Bodgett to win. And you know, I was 20 year old or something at the time. So I wasn't betting a fortune. But uh, it was very disappointing the outcome plus i even back then i didn't like bob baffert so <laughs> so i wasn't too happy with the outcome but well, yeah i remember exactly the tv i was in the second floor uh i guess that's called the clubhouse there um suffolk downs and then ironically about 23 years later i was at the same exact spot with tk kugler our uh, guest from last week on the penultimate day of suffolk downs racing when there was a freak storm and they had to cancel the races after like seven races that was the lie for a nice pick four or pick five, whatever it was. Also that day, it was a Saturday. And then uh, the next day was the last day Suffolk Downs existed. So I was in that spot for two memorable events, basically a three-foot three flood in the clubhouse. <laughs> the second to last day of, uh, of Suffolk Downs, I'm surprised they were able to race the next day, but worked out well. So, and we had a good well, day and good weekend. Reminiscing about three-year-olds of the past, and I, it, I, I'm embarrassed to say that with Holy Bull, I I have no recollection of Holy Bull's um, you know uh, racing career uh, because maybe I was chasing two year old fillies during during that time. 
But uh, Holy Bull actually run in the Derby, and there's something that. Uh, yeah, you know what? I know he was like uh, he was favored. I'm almost positive about two to one in the Derby, and I know there's a story. I didn't read it. It's a little before my time. But something happened where he was off, or I'm not sure. Our listeners are probably like, you idiots, you should know this. But um, something right. did happen. And then he came back and, and ran great uh, the rest of the way. I think he – did he win the other two-thirds of the Triple Crown? I'm not positive. I don't think he did. I, no, I don't right. even think he ran in the uh, – Maybe the Travers then he won, but he, he was phenomenal, I know, after that. And his buyers, like he was getting 115, 120 buyer, like every race for 10, 15 straight races, which you don't really right. see too much anymore. So Which two weeks ago our guest John Scheiman said – Holy Bull was the the his pick for the greatest horse he had ever seen. So yeah, and he made a reference to what happened in the Derby. I guess I wasn't paying yeah. enough attention to him. So we got to go back and listen to John. But um, I'm excited this week to uh, to go over the Holy Bull and the late pick five at Gulfstream on Saturday, January 30th, and really kind of kick off. I know they had some uh, three year old races already. They had uh, was it the Smarty Jones last week in Oakland? Yeah, was that what it's called? Jones. Um, but this is really, to me, like the Florida three-year-old in California getting underway. That's kind of like really the, the kickoff to the, uh, to the three-year-old season and the lead up to the Derby. So uh, to do that, we have a guest with us, uh, Doug McPherson, who has uh, filled in a couple times for, for GQ and been with us. Uh, for once, they are not the same person because they're going to be here and they're going to be here at the same time. So right after this, we're going to come back with Doug McPherson to go over the Gulfstream late pick five on Saturday's Holy Bull card. Okay, so let's get this thing started. Uh, excited to uh, welcome back Doug McPherson from the Great White North. Doug, uh, th- thanks for joining us. And now all of our listeners know that we're not one in the same. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the first time I've been on with you. And a lot of the two times I've been on before, it's just been with Eric. So it's nice to have the full cast. Yeah, and, and you're the perfect re- replacement fill-in for me because uh, when I last last time um, you were on, you had mentioned something about a horse that Eric liked, Casa Creed, and your excuse for not liking the horse was you said, "Well, he really hasn't won since he turned four, and and he and, and that you know I get I get killed by Eric and and other people for for that belief." That okay. Once a horse needs to, uh, you know, come out of the three-year-old restrictions, and when they step up and have to face older horses, it's a little deeper. And you know, obviously, there are horses who can handle the, you know, running against four and five-year-olds. Um, but when they, you know, until they they win. And they've proven that uh, it seems like they can't step up their game. Uh, we go against it. So I, 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 anybody who listens to our podcast on a regular basis knows that Eric and I like to banter back and forth. And when it, whenever I, there's a guest or a guest host that uh, agrees with my thinking, I always say, you know, you're one of me. So <laughs> welcome board. So it's now two on one. Eric's going to have to bring his A game today. So Eric, why don't you start us off? Uh, we're going over the late pick five, starting in race eight at Gulfstream Park. Um, so, Mr. Eric, it's all yours. All right. So it's a one-mile turf um, allow starter allowance, twenty thousand. And uh, Doug, since you are the guest, uh, how about you uh, 
talk about the race first. Uh, maybe tell us who you like, who you don't like, and then I'll chime in once you're done. Yeah, well, I found this to be an interesting race. I, like this, it's not just a 20 starter. It's like one of these starter other thans for horses that have never won something other than maiden or claiming. And like a lot of tracks rate these at the $50,000 level or the 40, but I think this is the first time I've seen Gulfstream rate a $20,000 one. And, you know, like nine out of 10 horses, you could just call this a non-winners of four claimer and mm -hmm. all of them, but one would be eligible. Like it, it's not a super tough race. It's kind of deceptive. And um, just because of that, I'm going too deep here with two long shots because most of these horses, I don't think that good. Uh, to the outside, I like the nine horse, the mighty judge, who's making the first start off the claim, um, who's a classy horse. He's the only, you know, he's won open races before. He's one of the few that's won more than just conditioned races. And like, I did not like his ride at all last time. Jose dragged him back in a race with no pace and he got in a little traffic at the top of the stretch. I think this horse is a huge overlay at 20 to one. Uh, I, I don't know if that's what he'll be at post time, but I really like this horse. Uh, what do you think here? Yeah, it's funny because there's a horse who I bet I got a dog and a cat fighting right next to me. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> wow. The dog just got beat up. If anyone cares, those cat and dog guys out there. Um, the Mighty Judge, there's a horse two back when he ran in that $16,000 claiming race. I was against him that race because I thought it was a wide open field. And I like Don G and a couple other horses. The two long shots I like didn't come in anywhere. Uh, but I was against the Mighty Judge. But I thought he ran best in that race. Uh, two back. He had a wide trip. He was checked on the back stretch. He lacked room in the stretch. I thought he, he was much the best. And then I liked him last time. I bet him last time. And he went off at 10 to 1, which I thought was a steal. And I thought he just didn't run a lick. I, I hear what you're saying about the trip. I don't know. I just, it, it scares well, me a little bit. I'm assuming you picked him because it's a Canadian trainer claimed him. So you got to stick with your uh, your homeboys there. But no, no I'm I, I, I really <laughs> don't care about that. At <laughs> I'm teasing you about that. <laughs> I, I'm not one of these people that worries about connections unless there's yeah. somebody with a real specific angle that I care about. But like, yeah. I thought this, like, I mean, really both these races, he got beat three and three quarter lengths, the race that you like and the race he didn't like, yeah. but both races, he got bad trips, I thought. And he doesn't want to be at the back. The races where he wins, he's close to the pace. Two starts ago, you know, when Paco rode him, he just couldn't get any position. He had the 11 hole and didn't work out. And like I said, last time Jose had a grab on him, like right out of the gate. I thought it was just like a really bad ride. And I just think, like, I think this is an easier race. So, you know, yeah. hopefully I don't like the nine hole, but hopefully from here, he can work out a trip. Junior's been riding really well. So we'll see what happens at 20 to one. He's worth a shot. Yeah. I don't think he'll be 21, but I didn't think he'd be 10 to one last time, but I I'm not against him at all. And, and I love junior Alvarado uh, as people probably know listening. Uh, so I'm not against him at all. I, I went towards two horses here mainly. Uh, I guess long shots, I don't really know. Uh, the six horse, Semper Fi. Uh, that's a horse that I wouldn't pick on top if I had to pick a horse on top. Uh, his last race was a 50,000 starter. So this is a fairly significant drop. The other thing is he was, what is that, four to one in the race. So the fact that he was four to one, I don't know how tough a race it was, but it's still a little bit of a drop here. And I thought he ran much better than it looks last time. He hopped at the start and lost two or three lengths. Uh, he was fairly wide, like two to three wide in the race against better horses. So uh, I didn't think he ran that badly. And uh, I think on the drop here, uh, I, I think he fits well and, and has a big shot. And then the other horse who uh, I'm going to lean on a little bit is uh, the four, Uncle Curly, 30 to one morning line. I, I know first glance, he doesn't look great or anything, but in last race was 
pretty good. Uh, he got a 76 buyer, but he was three to four wide the whole way. Uh, I just thought he didn't run that bad. I know he was 80 to one and it was not an easy field. I didn't think it wasn't much tougher than this. If anything, it was, it was, uh, you know, the same kind of level as far as the uh, competition, in the field. So those are the two I like the most, but I really thought going in that maybe the two and the three would be the favorites. I don't know. What did you think Doug? Did, like the morning line wise, did you think two and three would take a lot of money or, or am I off? Yeah, they both look like the horses that are going to take money just because they're coming off wins and people like to gravitate to those kind of horses. Um, but like tune in the three, do you, do you really take the 85 buyer at Tampa that seriously? I don't know. Um, I like that dirt race two starts ago where he's third behind high five cotton. That's a really nice horse. But again, like, I don't know what an 85 buyer in a non three at Tampa means and light Fury's in good form, but I'm just trying to beat these horses that are coming out of non twos and non threes. Um, so like, I like uncle Curly, I, I, you know, he actually beat the mighty judge last time. And like you said, he didn't have a good trip either. I really think this going from that open 16 to this conditions 20 starter is a pretty significant drop actually. Okay. Cause like you're, you're running against horses that are five, six, seven time winners. Like that field, keep quiet, toughest ombre. Those are pretty classy horses. Um, the other long shot I like here is on the rail, burn the boats. Who's moving back to this Leon McCannis barn who I'm not familiar with at all, but I've got a feeling there was some sort of deal going on where Maker had the horse for one start. But like he beat, even though he won a non three last time, he beat Speed Franco and he's turned into an okay horse. And two starts ago, back in June, he's, you know, he's fifth in one of those Florida bred optional 20s, which can be pretty tough races. And I'm hoping off the layoff, he might be okay. It's a good post. But I'm just, I'm trying to beat horses like, you know, the two favorites that you pointed out, the two and the three, because the jump out of those conditioned races can be pretty tough. Yeah, see, I, I, I wouldn't talk you off of the one uh, or anyone off a of 15 to one morning line if that's what he goes off. I, I have no interest in that horse. So I just thought he got basically a perfect trip against a weaker last time and he's been off for six months. But like I said, I don't want to talk people off it. I won't be using. Uh, and the way I attacked this race was I was against the two and three, and I'm hoping that those two are the favorites or two of the favorites. Uh, so, I was going to go fairly deep in this race in a pick five. We can talk about it in the end, but I, I was not against anyone. I, I most like the six and the four. I think the seven has a decent chance. I know he had an easy lead last time, but that was going like a mile and three eighths or whatever it says there. Uh, and that was too far. And it was against, you know, significantly better horses. I thought also. Um, so I, I think he has a decent shot here. So that would be my third horse if I had to. Uh, and then the eight, nine, 10, I thought had shots. The eight, um, not too subtle. Uh, not so subtle. The nine, we already mentioned the mighty judge and the 10 Austrian. I'm shocked at the seven, two morning. Oh, I'm not shocked, but I don't see how Austrian seven to two. I know it's Gargan and he wins a lot in Syed. So maybe it'll take money. But if you take away the connections and don't look at the trainer or the jockey, this horse should be 10 to one or something like that. I think so. I, I think he'll be a little bigger price. If he's a really short price, I'm not going to use, but if he's like six to one, something like that, then I'll use also in the pick five, but we can talk about that later. And as far as vertically betting the race, I, I'm going to lean. If the six is eight to one or anyone near there, I'm going to lean a lot on the six uh, and I'll combine him with uncle Curly, the four. So I'll have an exact like four, six. I'm sure I'll box it. I'll have a little more six four that way. And then I'll, I'm leaving out the two and three totally in the one, the one, two, three won't be on any of my tickets. And I'll basically use the other horses with the six and the four in tries and supers. So that's how I'm going to attack this race um personally was there anything else before we turn it over to gq for the uh for the race doug well i think that about sums everything up all right so gq anything to add there yeah i was just looking at the you know the pace factor see see you know uh, what's going on uh, 
you know, who's going to go to the lead? Will Lake Fury go to the lead? I'm, I'm thinking Semper Fi because Semper Fi, his first time on the turf, pretty much went gate to wire and then comes back. Uh, his last race, he hopped at the start. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give him a pass there. Figure Jaramillo is going to take him to the lead. Um, who, who's, who else is going to go out with him? Will Lake Fury? No, he should be on. I would think he'd be on the lead. If this was Gulfstream circa two and a half weeks ago, I would love, love Semper Fi and just bet him only. Maybe throw an Uncle Curly because of the price. But speed has not been the same. Doug, you're probably watching closer than me because you're watching during the week also. I'm not really anymore. Uh, but speed on the turf doesn't seem to be a, a big edge at all anymore in the last two weeks. Is that accurate or has it changed? Uh, I definitely noticed like maybe a week and a half ago that seemed like speed couldn't hold on, but yeah. I've also never bought into the speed is the, you know, is the absolute best thing to be, you know, speed is good on anything, but I've always yeah. thought the speed angle on the Gulfstream turf has been a little overhyped like for years. Yeah. And I mean, they, they just, just, um, we're recording this on Thursday. I, I caught the last race, which was a turf distance race. And the two to one favorite went out to the lead by like 10 on the backside. Fractions were fast and he just got caught the wire. So, yeah, yeah, that was the race where Paco slipped right up the rail from the 11. Yeah, right. Yep. It was a good finish. Yeah. So, um, you know, who knows? But yeah, that, that, that's all I'm, I have, Dad. And like what Doug said, it, I, I actually really like this type of condition because it's sneaky. It, it tells you something about uh, handicappers uh, based on the condition. And obviously, like, like Doug said, when when you're, you're running an open one eight, nine times, that's obviously a much tougher race than beaten claimers or nine winners of three or whatever. So I, I would definitely lean on um, – uh, the mighty judge or uncle Curly, both of who are coming out of, um, uh, the open claimers, but no, no, I, I quickly looked and there, there isn't any one horse. Maybe I'd take a flyer on Semper Fi thinking he, he might be able to go gate the wire, but, uh, not nine winners at two. That's it. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, you, you have horses in here who, you know enters he's a one-time winner uh it's a tough race but if you can make a stand it, it would be a great way to start off the pick five yeah i have a feeling it's going to be a spread race for a lot of people so like you said if you could make a stand and i mean there's a chance they go four six but uh in a pick five but i'm most likely going deep uh and, and leaving out any short prices for the most part um all right so let's move on to race nine it's seven furlongs on the dirt we start the stakes portion of the card the forward gal a grade three and when I first looked at this race, I figured it's probably a two-horse race on paper. Other horses could win. And then I looked at the morning line, and I guess it's not a two-horse race. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. But um, I just assumed, you know, it was a three and the seven were the horses that people would uh, be betting and taking money. But maybe the three won't take money. I, I don't know. Uh, Doug, how do you see uh, the ninth? Yeah, like when I looked – like when I first looked at it, I figured – the public would see it the same way you did the three and the seven are the two horses. And then everybody else is just kind of an underneath horse, but like the morning line guy doesn't seem to agree with us. Got other ideas. Um, but for me, like the three and the seven are the obvious horses. And to me, the seven looks like she's probably a better horse. Um, 
like on my ticket, I'm singling the seven just because I don't really like anybody else. But like, it's tough because they're they're all pretty lightly raced. So I'd like to hear what you think because my I'm very wishy washy. I like the seven only because I don't like anyone else. Yeah, I'm I, seven's fine, um, and most likely the winner. I would think. Um, the only, I mean, one caveat: the horses he ran against or she ran against, and I'm not a huge one like this looking at how they came back because you never know maybe in this race that she beat them they had trouble and then the next race they have no trouble so that of course they're gonna run better but uh they came back and did not much uh the other day uh, i'm trying to look at the name unbridled dioro and tyed if that's how you pronounce it i know they ran uh in the chamber hall race if you remember from i think sunday but it might have been saturday and chamber hall was like a maiden it was 0 for 10 it ran good numbers but it was like 0 for 10 or something and i actually didn't like Tabor hall. i didn't bet the race luckily but i didn't like Tabor hall and Tabor Hall won. So, and these horses came in fifth and eighth Tabor Hall. And I don't remember if they had trouble or anything. So that does scare me a little bit about the seven, but he beat that or she beat them really easily. So maybe that doesn't matter. I- I'm going to chalk out a little bit. And I'm going to go three, seven. I know a lot of people would be like, oh, well, I'll take the three and eight to one and sound like they're picking a long shot, but I know the horses are going to be eight to one. So I'm not trying to be a hero here, but I figure if I go three, seven, I'm going to have the race locked up. I don't really like anyone else. Um, I don't, I'll tell you who I wouldn't use the two at five to one. I would not use, I, he won't, well, she won't be five to one, but I thought this horse had a really good trip last time to beat maiden. So I don't, I don't really need, uh, that horse. The five, I think is overmatched and the eight. I don't really like, I know Safi second time out can improve, but I don't really care for the eight. So I, I'm not going to use a two, five, eight at all in any best, but I'm just going three, seven. The one I liked a little bit, uh, I thought the one last race, uh, had a significantly bad start. It says ducked at the break, um, but it was pretty bad. Didn't do any running, but the horse likes to be forwardly placed. So perhaps the fact that she got out bad really affected her. So I can excuse that race. The race before was okay. Uh, nothing special, uh, saved ground, but did have to wait a while in that race. Like it says in the notes there before uh, one and, and she won geared down. So, um, you know, 60 buyer could, could have been a lot higher. So maybe the one has some more ability. Uh, the six wasn't terrible two back. And then last race, maybe a little too tough. So the six isn't impossible. And I don't know, Queen Arella. I thought she had a shot at the Skylerville. I, I threw some money on her that day and she was terrible. So I don't know. She's kind of dropping here, I guess, in a way. Well, actually, she's not from two back. She's dropping. But, um, you know, I, I don't love her, but maybe use her as a long shot. But I'm just three, seven, long wind away. GQ, you want to throw your uh, two cents in? Yeah, I, uh, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit uh, on Queen Arella. Who knows what, you know, she, whoever uh, bought her, bought her for a thousand bucks. So she must have been quirk uh, as a pretzel. Uh, obviously, she has a hard time uh, uh, staying healthy based on how long it took between races. They obviously thought she had ability for throwing her in the Schuylerville. Um, your boy Joel got pinched back at the start, was wide, and then last time out wide again so and you look at you look at uh, what she's doing in the morning throwing some bullets so uh for a price you know i i'd be i'd be looking at uh, how she looks on the track maybe, maybe use her but again you know you can't do that when you're in the second second leg of a pick five Doug, is there anyone else? I know you said you're going to single the seven. You don't like anyone. Is there anyone else you would favor above others? Like if you were betting uh, vertically, exact tries underneath the seven? 
I think the two other interesting horses in the race are the one, uh, the whole Bodemeister. Just like it seems like the pattern with her is when she has to ship, she doesn't run good. She ran bad at Ellis and then she ran bad at Tampa, albeit with trouble that you mentioned. When, when she runs in Miami, she seems to run her better races. And, um, you know, the six horse, the Dale Romans filly on Lady Traveler, she ran pretty good in the rags to riches. And then, you know, maybe the goldenrod was just too tough. Maybe there was something up, you know, who knows? She's had some time off. She could be okay. But my biggest, like, my biggest thing is like, I know the three is going to be second choice. That eight to one morning line is ridiculous. And mm-hmm. I don't like her at all. I don't like that last race. So to me, it's just like, I like the seven on top. And then you basically just try and get the three out of the picture because she's not going to offer any value underneath. And I think she's very beatable for those underneath spots. Yeah, see, I, I like the three, and I, I thought the last race was actually pretty good, so I guess we disagree on that. Well, um, let's talk about the last race. Okay, because, talk about it. Go ahead. Because behind her were two favorites who both broke their maidens in off-turf races at Aqueduct, and a four-to-five shot that missed the break by about five lengths and never got out of a gallop. So what do you like about that race? I like the fact that she was able to run down a, a seven-to-one shot, granted, who had an easy lead, and this horse ran three wide the whole way and ran that horse down and won easily. Now, maybe she didn't beat much, but who in here really has? Other than Queen Arella running against Day Out of the Office, um, and, and I guess Lady Traveler was in a good race last time. Um, you know, who else is running against anyone here? So, um, you know, and, and like I said about the seven, who I'm not against, but horses she beat came back to do crap against a horse I don't like. So uh, I'm sure the seven ran against slightly better. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just thought running down alone speed was pretty impressive and did it easily. And each race has been better than the next one. She's had four progressing races. So why can't she progress again? But like I said, it's, it's, she's going to be five to two, two to one, something like that, I would think. So it's not like you're going to get a good price on her. But I agree with you. If, if you're someone who doesn't like the three and you like the seven, there's a great race to ditch the three, like you said, and just use some of the others underneath the seven. Uh, like- oh, go ahead. Well, if she's actually going to be eight to one, she's a good bet because she knows how right. to win. But like, we know that eight to one's a joke. We, like right. you said, she's five to two. And like, I just don't think she offers any value at all. And I think that last race is really just kind of deceptive. You know, that, that's just my opinion on that race. I didn't like that glitter woman race at all. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with her on, uh, on Saturday, something to keep an eye on. And I know G so I'm, I'm chalking out with three, seven, Doug's going to single the seven and uh, GQ just mentioned the four is a horse to keep your eye on uh, Queen Arella, who, uh, who I liked back in the day, but I'm mostly giving up on, but she's not impossible. All right. So let's move on to race 10, the uh, sweetest chant, uh, another grade three event. This one's a mile on the turf for three-year-old fillies. And I have an interesting story on the one horse. So well, I find it interesting. You guys might not. So I'm at my um, off track betting location, my little uh, theater, in uh, Hop Hog, Long Island. So for you uh, New Yorkers and Long Islanders, if you're ever out there, it's where I spend a, a lot of Saturdays. Anyway, so Eddie Barker, the trainer from New York, is there on December 30th. It must have been I was there. And Eddie Barker's there. So one of the guys who sits near me goes, Eddie Barker's here, and he just bet $100 to win right as they were going the gate on the 12 horse. I'm sorry, this is December 5th. Queen of the Green, the one horse here um, in the 10th race. When she was running on December 5th, he bet $100 as they were going in the gate for her to win. She was in the 12 post. She ran an outstanding race. It made me watch her closely. Uh, she was very wide the whole way, and she just got caught at the end. But she ran so much further than the winner in that race 
So she ran a really good race. Poor Eddie Barker lost his hundred bucks, but he had the right idea, I guess. Then she goes to Tampa and she won easily. She was too wide early to, and I thought she went early to the lead because all the speeds just totally quit except for her. I know she came off the pace, but she was on the lead fairly early. Um, and every other speed horse faded. Um, so, and two closers came in second and third from way back. So I thought, now who knows who she beat Tampa Maidens, but I thought that race was really, really good. Um, something must be up with the horse too. The fact that he was betting her from New York. I, I don't think he knows the connections necessarily. So I, I like her. I know it's a big step up here, but I think she has a decent shot. She's not my top pick, but that was my story on queen of the green. So Doug, why don't you uh, take it from there? And then uh, I'll throw my two cents after. I definitely think like the highlight for most people in this race is going to be the rematch between the two and the four from the ginger brew on um, con Lima and honey pants. Um, like, I really think the race, like last time con Lima had a really easy lead in the ginger brew this time, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So you've really got to decide what, how you think con Lima responds to more pace pressure and then go from there. And I, I think it's going to set up much better for honey pants this time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I don't I don't like Cone Lima. I'm not huge on Honey Pants personally, though. I know she didn't have the pace to close into because Cone Lima got the easy start, uh, easy lead. But I don't know. Didn't you think she just kind of saved ground the whole way and just, I mean, she didn't run very far as far as distance, hugging the rail. I, I don't know. I know she's probably improving as Clement, as Ortiz. She can win, but I'm not in love with her. Uh, but I definitely like her more than Cone Lima. I just like I look at her races like two starts ago she got beat by a really nice fast Wesley Ward filly called Illegal Smile who ran at Woodbine and had you know she's a talented filly who was overdue for a win and had an easy lead that day going fast but it was pretty comfortable and then last time in the ginger brew turning for home she angles out and then designer ready bumps into her goes past her and then honey pants has enough horse to get right you know go past designer ready again. And Con Lima had everything her way. So I just think this race sets up way better. And she had that bit of inconvenience at the top of the stretch and still showed some guts. So I think this is a, you know, this is a filly who looks like the real deal um, for this, for this kind of group, I should say, anyways, she looks like the right kind of horse to win this kind of race. And I don't really love any of the other ones coming out of maiden wins. I do. I do like the filly you had like for underneath. She's definitely interesting. But I don't think this is a great race. And I think Honey Pants definitely has some room to move forward with some better luck. Yeah, it's funny how two people can watch races. And, and I know you watch, you watch more than me because of you in the charts, but you watch a million races and know what you're doing really well. I watch a ton of replays and I just didn't like that much in her last two races, Honey Pants. I, I just thought she saved ground each time. And I, I don't know. I'm not saying she can't win. She's getting better. Um, it's a Clement. You're probably right. And I'm not against her. I, I just, I don't know. I don't love those races. Um, was there anyone else in here? I mean, is this a race where you're just going with honey pants or do you like anyone else? I, I don't really like anybody else. Like wow. on, on my ticket, I'm singling honey pants and just hoping for the trip. Um, Cause I'm not, I'm definitely not in love with any of these other horses. Um, what are you thinking here? Yeah. Well, other than the one, there's two other horses I like. Uh, the horse I like the most is actually on the outside and that's director's cut from Mark Cassie and Louis Saez. Uh, there's a horse who ran in the Miss Grillo two back. Um, you know, she just probably a little overmatched. Look at Plum Ali was in there. Plum Ali um, was, I think, the favorite in the uh, Breeders' Cup, whatever race that is for the Philly, what is that, the two-year-old uh, Phillies 
uh, turf, whatever they call it. Uh, so she was a favorite. I don't think she ran well in that race, but she was a favorite. She was a very good horse, a Clement horse. She actually, when I hit that uh, big pick five at Kentucky Downs, she was one of the horses that I was using. And I actually, GQ might not remember this, but I had a $192 ticket, which is a lot for me that day. It was Labor Day. And I had Plum Ali and I had another horse who was a long shot, like a 12 to one shot in the race. And I had three races in that sequence where I had two horses in those races. And I'm like, if I can cut one of the two down to one, my ticket will go from 192 to whatever that is, 96 or something. And I'm like, that's much more in my wheelhouse where I'm comfortable. And I didn't know who to cut. And I was debating. And it was either GQ or our friend Tom said, eh, Plum Ali. But I think it was GQ because I was surprised because Plum Ali was a favorite. Luckily, I didn't cut Plum Ali because Plum Ali won. It paid 25000 But in the last race, I was going to cut a horse, um, Flavius. And I think GQ and, uh, and our friend Tom said, no, don't cut him. And he won. So I thank them for that, uh, Chad Brown horse. But so he ran against, she ran against Plum Ali. He's very good too. back. She was just overmatched in that race. Comes back after a few months off in January in, um, uh, I guess, an optional claim of first level allowance. She was three wide chasing a nine to five shot who came in third. So Phantom Vision and a three to one shot who came in sixth. Uh, last out of the six horse field. So she was chasing the two favorites and they basically faded. I love seeing that. She was wide. She ran a lot more ground. I thought her last race was probably the best of anyone in here. I don't know how good the horses she beat, but I think they're okay. So I, I like directors cut the most. And the other one, I'll go quick domain ex, uh, expertise, a six horse, Chad Brown. Uh, that horse ran last time, broke his main to Tampa. I guess I'm leaning on Tampa horses, probably not too smart, but um, she was pressed by uh, three horses were pressing her. It wasn't like she had an easy lead. It looks like she had an easy lead, but she really didn't until uh, pretty late stages of the race. She was pressed by two long shots who faded badly and a five-to-one shot who faded. So all the speed kind of faded out of that. Granted, two of them were long shots, but one was a five-to-one who faded. So she put away the speeds, won easily. Uh, I, I like that race too. Third start, improving. The race two back on that Preakness undercard, GQ might remember. I think it was a Preakness undercard with fluffy socks. That was a really soft uh, turf course at Pimlico. So I can ignore that race. It was a tough field. And that race I think came apart also. So I don't mind that one. So anyway, that's my long-winded way of saying I like the eight the most. And then I like the one six. And I have to debate here as we go over the ticket. If I want to go deeper with the two, five, seven, also, I won't bother talking about that. We spoke about the two and five, seven. I won't, but um, I, I don't like the, uh, the three and the four. I'm not using them at all. Uh, but I'm, I'm eight with the one six mostly GQ. Yeah. I, I was looking at the uh, six horse domain expertise and I, I concur with you Seemed, uh, about that uh, Pim, uh, Pimlico turf course was horrible. That's why they were walking, but uh, you uh, probably not going to get any value with Chad. Uh, I, for some reason, Candace O intrigues me. Uh, the three horse just looks like a, a game horse finally broke its maiden last time out. Um, I don't, I don't know if Jose is going to be able to keep this horse from, uh, getting into a speed duel with, uh, kind of Lima, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, it, I, I think it's a great race part. Um, I, I commend Doug for, uh, uh, liking honey pants so much that he wants to, uh, single her, but, um, uh, it's, it's tough to throw any of these out. All right. Thank you. So you confused everyone now. Sure. <laughs> and you picked the one horse that I don't like. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, is it? It's par for the course. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, all right, anything else, or should we move on to race 11? All right, so we got the uh, I guess the main event you can call it the Holy Bowl, grade three, mile 16th on the dirt. And this is a race I think I'm going to single. I'm really curious to hear uh, both your thoughts on this race because I had a lot of thoughts here, but I want to see what you guys thought. So, uh, Doug, we'll let you go first. Uh, well, I got a feeling that I'm you know probably zagging when everyone else is zigging here because. It's. I don't like these races where you've got a bunch of horses coming out of maiden, you know, maiden wins, and now they're, now they're suddenly stake horses. You've really got to figure out where they, um, where they fit. And I just see some good prices here with the horses that have some bit of proven class. Uh, the horse I'll probably start with is the three Papitu for Antonio Sano, who ran a pretty good race in the Mucho Macho Man at the start of the month after a rough start. Yeah, I think for 15 to one for a horse that definitely likes the Gulfstream track, he's probably okay. I don't know why the two Saratoga races were so bad, but I'm just not going to worry about it really. His Gulfstream races are good enough that at a good price, I think he's worth considering. Yeah, the, the well, the Saratoga races he was running against Jackie's Warrior. That might be why they were bad. Um, I, I chuckled out loud when I saw that morning line, to be honest. I... 15 to one, a horse who had the best buyer speed figure last race, who came in second to Muda, uh, Muda Sabik, whatever, the uh, Pletcher horse who just announced he had a minor injury. He's off the Derby trail. Uh, but how does that horse can be anywhere near 15 to one? I think he'll be the third choice in this race. No, oh, maybe fourth choice. Uh, I'd have to think about it, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. Third choice. So um, maybe the four amount will take more money, but I'm not sure. But I, I'm not against uh, Papitu or Pepitu, however you uh, pronounce it. Was there anyone else uh, that you uh, you specifically liked here? Well, the two other horses I like here are the two outside horses, um, Sitting on Go and Austin Jerry. Like, Sitting on Go, he really had the only bad race, you know, race that I'm going to call bad is the Breeders' Cup race. And that was that day where the track was completely concrete and he was at the back. So I don't blame him for not closing. Other than that, he's got a maiden win, a win in the Iroquois, and then he's only beaten five lengths in the Kentucky Jockey Club. That's not bad. You know, he's he's at least proven that he's got some class. And Awesome Jerry was third in the um, Mucho Macho Man and ran good in that Delta race before that. You know, he's, he's experienced. He's another one. He really hasn't run a bad race at any point. So I'm perfectly, I'm, I'm content using those three horses and hoping these Pletcher maiden winners are, aren't quite up to snuff. Now, let me ask you, are you afraid or worried at the post position at all? Because those posts suck on the outside when they turn so quickly, those mile and eighth, mile 16th. Yeah, it's not like they're in the 12 hole. I'm like, Gaff Leon's a pretty good rail rider. He usually makes an effort to get inside, which is more than you can say for a lot of riders. And again, when I'm just trying to get prices in, I'm not, I don't worry too much about that kind of stuff. I, I don't like to find reasons to talk myself off of price horses. That's true. They were short prices, and I can understand. Sitting on go is a horse I loved. His second start, I, I win so infrequently that I remember all my wins. I think, uh, but that was on, we did that on the air. GQ, I like sitting on go and midnight bourbon, so I had the exactor there, uh, and and that was a horse I loved. And I was so disappointed with his run in the Breeders' Cup. I didn't bet him in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, I'm sure I lost that race because I sucked in the Breeders' Cup. Actually, I bet. Keep me in mind, it was the best horse in the race. I thought he had trouble, but that's another story. He came back to win. But anyway, the um, the race that he won, the Iroquois. He was, he had like a perfect trip, I thought, sitting and go. He had a great setup and he had the perfect, perfect trip. So um, I thought that was uh, a race where he's not going to get that setup again in most races. 
So I, I, I can't blame you for liking him. He's kept good company, but I don't know. I'm kind of off his bandwagon after that. Um, I'm going to single a horse here. Um, I, I would love to use the two Willie boy before I sing, say my single. I liked both of his races. How do you see that step up though? He's running in state bread, Florida breads, maiden and Florida bread allowance. Is it obviously it's a big step up to great three, but compared to these, do you think he's been running against much weaker or has it been similar to like a open special weight? Well, like usually the Florida bread races when they're just like the toughest Florida bread races are the one other than optional 20 or 16. Those are solid races, but these are age restricted races. And like, how can we tell he, you know, that Florida bread allowance that he won might produce three stakes winners while the open maiden special weight, that prime factor one might never produce a winner for the rest of all of their careers. We don't know yet. And I'd rather take him at 10 to one than uh, the two Pletcher maiden or, you know, the maiden winners for Pletcher amount or prime factor, but like trying to project which races are tougher at this stage in the game, I think is a little, you know, it's just not really worth investing too much energy in. Yeah. And, and Willie Boyd's last race was really good um, for, you know, again, who knows, like you said, who we ran against, but try and project might be um, meaningless here, or, you know, hapless, but he was three wide. He was chasing the two favorites who also uh, came in second and fifth. So the speed didn't really hold up much and, and he won easily. So uh, I really liked his last race, Willie Boy. The horse that I'm going to single is Greatest Honor, the seven horse. Nothing tricky here. Um, there's a, I just love this horse. I've loved this horse since I saw him run at Saratoga, and I said he's going to be one of my horses. Um, his last race, if you try and watch a replay, you can't find it. You might remember the race, though. You know, Doug GQ, I don't know if you guys remember that race. Uh, we covered on the show GQ, actually. Um, that was where greatest honor was like three to one morning line or something like that. And I laughed and said, he's got to go off at like six to five. And he ended up going off in one to two because he towered over the field on the morning line. Well, he had immense trouble in that race. He got squeezed early. And then the other horse I bet with him and like exact and stuff was a three horse, a long shot, 30 to one, 40 to one, um, ended up, I think breaking down the race. That's why it's not, um, they don't have the replay up and you know, the horse was like toward the front and just started to pull off and back up quickly through the field and two horses in the back greatest honor and the eight horse in the race. I forgot the name ended up basically getting backed into lost several lengths, lost all momentum. And then she had a close wide. It was a dynamite race. Now who she beat. I don't know if it's any good, although another Duke came back to win. I guess that's a good sign, but I mean that 83 buyer she got when you consider the trip was like a 90 something buyer and towers over this field. My only fear, and GQ hears this a lot, I hate singling closers because you really sometimes need a trip. I just think he might be better than these, even if he doesn't get a you know perfect trip or anything or a great setup. So I'm going with greatest honor. As long as there's some kind of pace up front, I see this horse as the winner. So I'm going with greatest honor. Um, the other horses that I would use underneath, perhaps, are the two I mentioned and the three you mentioned already, if the three is not a, a, a short price, but anywhere near eight to one. Six to one, seven to one. I'm okay with the three. You know, two to one, three to one, four to one. I'm not okay, but you probably get at least six, seven to one on the three. And the, the horse that I guess we should mention, and I'm curious for either one of your thoughts, a prime factor, who's the other morning line favorite, ran a huge figure first out for uh, for Pletcher. Got the 85 buyer, which is um, actually next to Papitu, who got an 87, uh, tied with Awesome Jerry for the second highest buyer, if that matters, uh, but was his first start. So uh, either one of you, I don't know if I should pick on one of you so you don't talk at the same time, but Doug, you're the guest. Why don't you go first and then GQ, if you have any thoughts on Prime Factor? Well, like, 
I don't like those kind of romping, you know, when they romp like that and get a big buyer, it usually doesn't mean much. It means they ran against nothing special. <laughs> and um, I think the last time I was on, we talked about the horse that Prime Factor beat Bracken because it was in a really, like, really tough maiden special way. And when I say tough, I mean tough to handicap, not tough. It yeah. wasn't that good of a race. But we struggled with that race. This was a horse we talked about because it at least run and run good. And he was kind of a, you know, an okay third as the five to two favorite. So it's tough to say how much that prime, that win means. And then we got to factor in the fact that he's run six furlongs once. And now we're asking him to run two turns against stakes horses or potential stakes horses. That's really, really tough to call any of them that yet. Um, but yeah, we're asking him to stretch out and jump up in class and probably have, you know, be tested a lot more than he was last time. And there's some other speed in this race. So I, I don't love prime factor. I, you know, people will, and I don't blame them, but it's, he's not for me. GQ, your thoughts on prime factor or anyone in this race? Well, it, the, the only thing I was going to mention about prime factor was uh, I read uh, is on prime factor versus amount prime factor, you know, obviously is, Agent probably told him to, you know, which one. But uh, I, you know, I kind of like to look at that. But I totally agree with Doug's uh, analysis that, you know, coming off a of, uh, dynamite maiden win, you know, is the horse going to regress a little bit, or uh, is he going to move forward? I mean, Pletcher has uh, the workouts have progressed to five furlongs. So, and and obviously the horse is bred to to go the distance so I, I don't think that should be an issue but um you know it, horse might go gate the wire uh awesome jerry probably gonna want to uh, get out there along with willy boy but uh i'm i'm disappointed that neither of you guys mentioned one horse man i mean you know the the turf horse man uh, you know, you, you got, it's my namesake. Uh, you got uh, Kill Bill and, uh, you know, Wild at Heart Pulp Fiction, man. You know, but you don't like either. You don't like me, man. That might be the worst Quentin Tarantino I've ever heard in my life. You do a good, you do a good John Dooley. You don't do a good Quentin Tarantino. But anyway, <laughs> I, did you really I want can't... to talk about him or you just want to get your accent in? But I guess the, the, Here's the thing, though, about this horse, okay, turf horse. So, you know, but Bob Baffert, what, what, what the horse starts with Bob Baffert and he starts on the turf. And, and, and even though, according to, you know, my Brisnet turf numbers, yeah, the horse is a standout, but I mean, pioneer of the Nile out of uh, seeking the gold uh, mare, it, you know, I, the horse ought to be able to run on dirt and and it you know when you think you know two-year-olds on the turf you don't think bob baffert so why why did baffert have the horse in the first place yeah well i, I assume he put him on the turf because he didn't think he was that good <laughs> that's my and then got rid of him. that's my guess so I, i'm not a fan of tarantino if he wins he wins but um you know yeah. not not for me Tarantino screams, the owners think, well, he's a three-year-old, this race isn't going to be like a massive field, let's see if we can get some derby points. It, it screams of taking a shot for the sake of taking a shot, not actually a real logical plan. 
and and uh, to, yeah, to, to your point, it looks like this horse may have uh, been uh, purchased uh, along the way. You look you look at the owners, the, the group of owners here. They're they're the kind who swoop in and buy horses after a race or two. Uh, well, I assume they got a discount uh, on the six hundred ten thousand that the uh, original owners paid. I thought the inter- Oh, sorry, you cut out GQ, so right. I jumped in. Yeah. Sorry about or, that. Or, oh, I'm sorry. Or, or maybe they just, uh, you know, sold a part of it to, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the other group. But, uh, you know, I don't know. So, yeah, uh, I I guess since, since neither of you really care for either Fletcher horse, put a gun to your head, which one would you take? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I, I guess the six is the better horse, probably, but I, I don't know. Doug, you have any thoughts on that at all? Yeah, gun to my head. I'm taking prime factor. Um, okay. But luckily, nobody's putting a gun to my head. So <laughs> I, I'm assuming they expected a lot from prime factor. They paid almost a million dollars for him. Right. I, I would think they probably, will, this is my guess, but they probably wanted to start him earlier and get him on the trail. And now maybe it's a little rush. They got him the six for a long race. Now they're throwing him in the, uh, I won't call it the deep end because it's not the toughest race, but they're trying to get him on the trail. So he's fine. He can win. He's going to be either the favorite or the second choice. Um, but I, I'm betting against him and hoping what Doug said is one race. He probably didn't beat much. Not only did Bracken come in to run third, but Dr. Duke came back to run third and made him special weight. So I don't know if he beat anything special. But I'm all over Greatest Honor. Vertically, I'm going to put Greatest Honor over the two, Willie Boy, the three, Papitu. And I don't know if I'll use the six, depending on the price uh, underneath. But uh, I'll probably just stick with the two and three for the most part underneath the seven. I, I don't love the outside horses uh, that, um, that Doug went like. So usually, Doug, you're on, and, and we agree a lot. This time, we're actually disagreeing a lot. I don't like a few of yours, and I don't think you like a few of mine. So this will be interesting instead of being on the same horses all the time. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Eric, I, I'm surprised that in, in, your, in your analysis of greatest honor, you didn't even mention the fact that in his first two races, he ran right behind the Brad Cox All-Star who won uh, the Smarty Jones, Can-Do River. Yeah, not, uh, not bad company he kept there in those races. I think a lot of people might say, oh, Maiden took him four times. But you also know Shug McGahee, um, for those who know him, or if you don't know him, He's a very patient guy, and his horses just get better and better. He's not known for having precocious two-year-olds, per se. So this horse, every race is getting better, and last race was dynamite. So I, I just, like I said, the only way he loses to me is if he has major trouble or they go like 50-second half mile, which I don't see with all the pace in here. So I, I'm all over greatest honor, and I'm, that's all I'm doing that race. All right, you guys ready for race 12? Go for it. All right, we'll finish up with race 12. Uh, they made it a tough condition here for me to have to read, but it's a mile on the turf, claiming 35,000. I love to be there, sarcastically saying that. Uh, so what is it? Four years old, which never won three races, lifetime, so they two wins only or less, or which had not won a race since July 30th, 2020. So you can look through the field. You got a couple of horses who, uh, who won two races only, but for the most part, all of them are here because they haven't won a race since uh, July. In fact, uh, just about all of them, except for the... Uh, 10, 11, and one of the inside horses, the one, um, haven't won three races. Everyone else has. So in this race, um, I'm going to pass the baton to Doug again. He's our guest. I've been letting him lead off most of the races. But I know I have a horse that I like here, but I'm going four deep here. And I'm curious 
if in this race we have any of the horses in common, I'm kind of hoping we do because you're a good handicapper and I'm a little scared you didn't pick anything I liked. Uh, well, we probably have something in common because like the way my tickets look so far, it's pretty skinny. And this is a tough race with a lot of back classy horses. So this is a real spread race for me. Um, I've got eight of the 11 on here. So um, wow. you know, I don't know who you want to talk about, but I've got something to say about almost all of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's run through the field. Maybe we can do like a really quick run through the field. So the one, last zip, go for it. Uh, so he ran in that Morocco race last time. I'm a big fan of Morocco, nice okay. horse. Two starts ago at Turfway, Hurricane Highway, really nice horse. You get back to when he's running against non-threes in New York. He's competitive, good post, 15 to one. He's on my ticket. Yeah, that's the reback race where he got the 83 buyer and the yielding turf at Belmont was actually a pretty good race. Uh, closes in well that race and he was up on a pace it was a bog they were running in so that's a really fast pace uh for the course the question with him that i wrote down is uh, well two things number one is he off form or does he just need class relief and i i tend to agree with you maybe just class relief and the fact that he's going to be a price maybe although i don't know the 15 to 1 is accurate but if he's 15 to 1 definitely love the horse um but yeah he's going to be on my ticket as well he's kind of my second third choice here i guess um my only question is does he need the lead because he seems to only run well when he kind of has a lead not only run well but he, he runs much better but i guess he can come from second where he did three back so i answered my own question the two i do not like is that one that's off your ticket maybe oh he's absolutely on my ticket if, if, on dundalk uh -oh. not, not, and it's not because i like him but it's just because i look at his form he's good enough if you make it this far and you get beat by this horse you're going to look at the form and say how could i be that stupid at eight to one you know, he's, he's not a world beater. He's not a killer horse, but he's good enough. He's, you know, he's won enough races. He's in the hunt most of the time. I, I don't see any reason to hate him if you've got the budget to spread. Yeah, I just, his last two races, he got easy leads. I mean, so easy. His numbers are inflated because of that, and I just don't see that happening here. So maybe he gets an easy lead again somehow, but there is pace in the race. You and GQ maybe, especially GQ, can talk about that at the end here. But um, so I'm not really in favor of, uh, of Dundalk. He's off. He's out of my best. I'm not using him at all. Um, the three, Honey Won't. Can he go the distance? Sure. Honey Will. He won going a mile and a 16th with his lifetime, you know, or, or one point short of his lifetime best 87 buyer last year. So if you're pitching the source because he won't go the distance, I've got a bridge to sell you. And, you know, like, he's fine. <laughs> I'm just asking. I didn't say he won't. He, he's one of my horses. He's in my second tier of a, horses i have a horse on top and then there's three other horses underneath i like so he's one of those the one is the last zip honey won't his last race was pretty good he had a wide trip and that was a many merry-go-round race i know the horse Sayef pretty well he runs in new york all the time he just went down to um florida and he ran i don't know maybe three weeks ago or something like that i think we covered it actually gq on on the show that week and i said yeah, he had you zero Right. I hated the horse and he, he took yeah. money, went three to one and he ran last or fifth or whatever. He just, right. I mean, there's a the horse who has an easy lead and couldn't hold on in New York. And then he's supposed to hold on against better horses he was running. So, but the point is he won that race that honey won't was in Saif. And you might say, Oh, Saif is not that good. So why do I like honey won't a little bit? Well, Saif had an easy lead that race. So it was hard to close. And not only was it hard to close, he was running wide honey won't. So I, I think honey, as GQ said, honey will this race run well. So honey won't is on my ticket. The four, financial system. Doug? Yep, on my ticket. Ran good for in that Morocco race, dropping in. You know, we talked about the Red Bank last time, and he ran bad, and I said that was a bad race. But <laughs> for the most part, this horse runs good. He's dropping in. 
I'm not getting beat by this horse. Yes, our New Jersey listenership went from 100 down to 20 after you knocked uh, the Monmouth Racing, but uh, <laughs> and we're all and we're all the better for it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and now it goes down to five from Jersey. Sorry, New Jersey. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Our, our one listener from New Jersey. What exit? <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is actually the horse I like the most financial uh, system. Uh, I know the red bank and, and, you know, I'm teasing Doug, but he, he is right. That was a weak race for grade three, but he's not running grade three. He's running a 35,000 restricted uh, or, or conditional uh, claimer here. Um, so whatever, he didn't run well in that race. It wasn't great, but you know, it's still better than these horses. Uh, his last race was really good. Doug already mentioned Morocco is a very nice horse who wins a lot in Florida. It seems like every time he runs, I just single him and he always wins. I don't necessarily hit the bet, but I, I seem to always single Morocco when he wins because he just, I don't know his record at Gulfstream, but it's got to be really good. Uh, but anyway, this horse, uh, financial sense from the four, was two to three wide in the race, in a race that um, that he had to alter some, I'm trying to read my handwriting, he altered and lost some momentum in the stretch. So uh, I don't know if you remember watching that, Doug. If, if you do, you can you know jump in, but he kind of altered. And I watched it a few times and I thought he lost momentum. He wasn't going to win. But he would have been a length or two closer, I thought. So that 82 buyer would have been higher. Plus, he was a wide trip, so even higher. So to me, he ran like a high 80s buyer. And that's better than anyone in this field. So financial system, I actually thought about singling the horse. But, um, but I decided to go four deep here instead. But that's the horse I like the most. Um, so if you want to throw in any two cents, Doug, about that or GQ, feel free. Uh, otherwise, let me know what you think about Tusk. I, I, the, the only thing about Tusk is, why in the hell did, did he run without Lasix in that last race? And why isn't he running with Lasix now? Because uh, Florida. Oh, go ahead, Doug. Yeah, you're not allowed to run on Lasix in any of the states in uh, Florida or New York or a few of the states this year. So he wasn't allowed to run on Lasix. And he was going to probably, I mean, I kind of liked him that day, but he was probably destined to run bad in that race regardless. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, the reality with Tusk is they claimed him for 32. They did well with them early. He got hurt. They brought him back. He's not a stake horse. They're back where he belongs. You know, he's, he's risky. I wouldn't win bet him at a short price, but you know, this is the kind of race he fits in right now. Yeah. And, and I'm going to use him also. I don't love the price. So I don't want to lose a pick five because I left him out. Like you said, don't leave out the two. That would be stupid to me. I don't want to leave out Tusk, even if he is seven to two, I think he might be a little higher price. Well, maybe not. Um, but yeah, that ride to comment cost Creed race that GQ referenced before that we did Doug and I, uh, last time he was on the show, uh, where ride to comment had been training like a monster and, and won the race and cost Creed ran well. We won't have a debate now about cost Creed, but, um, I think Tusk has a shot on the drop kind of like the one horse, you know, just the class relief should be enough to make very competitive here. So, um, I I'm on Tusk. It seems to be a lot of speed though, but maybe I'm wrong. So that, that could be a downfall, but, uh. You know, I'm including Tusk. So I, you already got my four horses. I like the four the most. And then the one, three, five are my other horses I'm going to use. So that's all I'm doing in the pick, uh, pick four, a uh, pick five. Sorry. And if I better pick four, pick four also. Um, GQ, I haven't been going to you. I figured at the end, but do you want to, do you want to chime in at all here and uh, Tusk or, or anything before we keep going? Uh, we'll wrap the, it up? The way, yeah. The, the way this is shaping up. I mean, there seems like there's, there's a lot of speed. Um, and so far, uh, I'm liking the honey, honey won't simply because yeah, the, the horse has won at this distance. And uh, uh, since I'm the Brisnet guy, uh, he's got one of the higher uh, Brisnet numbers at, at that. Uh, and you know, the, the pace should, should do him well, but there there's others to talk about. So 
Yeah. All right. So, so to speed things up here, Troubling Moon and Willing to Speed, the six and seven, come out of the light fury race as there's one other blameless on the outside and Manangihila, the Maryland bred or Maryland horse. I got to look these Maryland bred. That race had two horses just jet out to the front, set a big speed duel. It set it up for closers. So I don't like Willing to Speed or Troubling Moon because I thought they got perfect setups. And in Willing to Speed's case, I didn't find an excuse. And Troubling Moon, I know he ran third. He lost by neck, but he saved ground and he had a perfect setup. So I'm against those two. Doug, can you talk me on to one of those two, or are you ditching them also? Uh, I'm against Troubling Moon. Um, I like Willing to Speed, but this is more, I'm not going to talk you on to him because this is more of a personal thing. Uh, the last two years, yeah, the last couple of years I've been in Florida, we've been in the same barn as John Kimmel, and so I've been around Willing to Speed, and I just really like him personally. He's a horse that I think is really cool. You know, he's a real stocky, small chestnut, and I'm just a big fan of him, so for me, as a personal person, not as a gambler, I feel really stupid to lose to this horse at 20 to one, just because I like him. Uh, but I, like, I can't really give you a good handicapping reason to put this horse on other than he's a halfways okay horse. And then um, the outside horse, I guess, unless you want to go through each one, we'll try and speed it up. I'm sure people don't need to hear every single detail about every horse. The eight through the 11 on that page, uh, that's Harbor Master. I, I mean, slightly slow start one length, but he didn't really run much. Monongahela had a great setup, didn't do anything. So um, that was first race on the turf. And, and GQ probably knows that horse better than us. He can talk about Fig Jelly. That's the one that scares me. If I add a fifth horse, it's going to be Fig Jelly. Um, you know, no Noda, way. Orlando Noda. This is, I think his brother trains the horse. So I take it the same as Noda. And when they don't seem to win, they win. So to me, when I see Noda, I think Safi Joseph, I think they're friends and that's basically like, uh, it's, to me, it's the same thing as having Savvy Joso on the horse, so or training the horse. So, um, and the horse has good figures. He came out of that uh, Morocco race, uh, ran pretty well in that race. So, um, Fig Jelly would be my next horse. And, and the more I talk, the more I'm talking myself into Fig Jelly. So, I might actually go five deep here, but that would be my other horse. And then Blameless, I thought had a pretty good setup. You can argue maybe made an early move into that uh, really fast pace, but I thought it had a pretty good setup. So uh, I, I thought Blameless would be a shorter price. I thought like four to one would be more like Blameless and, and I'm against. So that was my quick rundown of the outside. Doug, any of the outside ones that you want to uh, touch upon? Uh, Harbor Master, I think, is dropping in class. Uh, you know, earlier this summer, one for 62,000. I'm not getting beat by him at a big price. He's on my ticket. Uh, Mono, Managanina, whatever the name, horse's name is. Uh, 12 He's not from Maryland time. GQ. <laughs> Right. 12 hole last time, wide trip. I know this trainer was on an obscenely good roll at Laurel right now. Not getting beat by this horse at 15 to one with Irad. Fig Jelly, I'm not using this horse. He's two for 30. Uh, even though I know he's coming out of a good race that I've referenced, I'm not getting, I'm not using this horse at a, you know, relatively short price, two for 30 from the 10 hole and blameless, not using him from the 11 hole. So yeah. For me, it's no six, no 10, no 11. Everybody else is on in this race. Uh, I guess as a, as a Pittsburgh Pirate fan, I guess I know the Monongahela River. That's uh, one of the three rivers uh, in Pittsburgh there, the Monongahela. GQ, what do you got for us? I, I can't believe you're going to include 10 Fig Jelly. I mean, this horse is, you, you look up in the dictionary, seconditis, and you got a picture of this horse. I mean, two for 30, 13 times second, and even worse, the turf record one for 23 12 times second i mean and 
Yeah, I'm I'm torn. I said I might not use. That's like my fifth horse. My fear more than that, the seconditis. I'm not as concerned about that, perhaps, but maybe I should be. Is the distance and there's other speed in the race. So can right. the horse hold on going long? So I don't know. Originally I wasn't using, so maybe now you'll talk me off. That's that's like my last decision. You know, I guess I'll have to see how much it's at. If it's adding like ten bucks to my pick five, I'll probably just throw them in. If it's adding more, then I, I probably won't. All right, that, that, that's all I have. <laughs> so, um, Doug, it sounds based on how you were talking, you kind of put together a, a potential ticket here, and it didn't seem like it was that big of a ticket. Uh, do you want to uh, walk our listeners through that one? Yeah, sure. So race eight, the first leg, I'm starting off with two long shots, the one burn the boats and the nine, um, what's his name, the mighty judge. Second leg, the forward gal, I'm singling the seven, Zajel. Uh, third leg, the Swedish chant, singling the two, honey pants. Uh, race 11, the holy bull. I'm going three deep with some of the quote unquote outsiders. Uh, the three, Papidu, the eight, sitting on go, and the nine, awesome Jerry. And then in the last race, the 35 condition, I'm using one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, and nine. So that's eight deep. So it's two by three by eight. So it's a $24 ticket for 50 cents. All right, nice cheap ticket for people, and they can build off of that if they're interested um, or if they like the reasoning you use in picking those horses. Um, for me, I have a little more expensive ticket here. Um, I, I can easily cut, and I'll explain. But race eight, I'm going to go deep there. Uh, I'm going to use the, um, the four and six are my main horses, and then the seven, eight, nine, ten. So I'm four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's six deep there. I thought about the five, but I'm probably going to leave the five out just because I think it'll be a little short price with Pletcher. Um, race nine, kind of chalking out three, seven. I hate to do that. Uh, it's probably not wise betting, but I'm going to do that. So three, seven in the next race. So I'm six by two. Now race 10 is the race where I decide if I want to go three deep or six deep. If I go three deep, I'm on the one, six, eight, eight being my main play there. So one, six, eight. And if I want to double my bet and kind of invest a little more in this two, five, seven. So um, I'm one, six, eight, and I might add the two, five, seven to go either three deep or six deep there or some combination. Uh, race 11, I'm singling the seven. So that's it. That's um, the Shug horse and the Holy Bull. And then race 12, I, I guess my ticket's getting expensive and I don't need the 10. You kind of talked me off him, the fact that you don't love him, uh, either one of you. So uh, I like the four the most, but I'm one, three, four, five in race 10. So I'm either six by two by three, by one by four and that comes out to 12 36 times two that's a 72 dollar ticket and then if i double it to go 144 that's usually more than i would spend on a 50 cent bet uh, unless i really felt i was going to hit it and it's going to pay a lot but the fact that i chalked down in race nine and race 11 I i'm leaning towards a cheaper ticket i don't know if i want to spend 144 when run one race i can't have higher than a three to one another race i can't have higher than two to one so that's kind of where i'm at there uh with those races All right, before we bid uh, farewell to Doug and, and to our listeners, we have our bet of the week segment. And of course, because I'm uh, leading GQ, I am very keen to bring it up on the show. Uh, right now, I'm up 64 bucks, but it's slowly going away here. Uh, but like I said, the way I bet, you know, either I'm going to hit for a lot of money or I'm going to lose. And more likely than not, I'm going to lose. I just hope that one hit every 15 weeks pays for the, uh, the 14 losses in between. So I'll start this week. I'm going to go to race 10, the sweet chant. Swedish chant, sorry. And I really like three horses there, right? I like the eight director's cut and I like the one uh, queen of green and the Chad Brown six domain expertise. Honestly, I, well, not honestly, I mean, I'm being honest. I, I'm going to, in my best, because they're a little bit of a price, especially the one, I'll box them in an exact and a triple. 
for a little bit just so I don't get shut out totally uh, from something. But for the most part, you know, that's going to be small. Uh, I'm going to key on the eight here. So because I can only pick one bet for the show. I can't do a triple or exacta. I can't do all these things. So I'm going to go with a $10 exacta box, key box, I guess I can say, eight with the one six. So I'm going $10 exacta box, eight director's cut with the one six in race 10 for $40 bet. So if I lose that, it'll only be up 24 and I'll have some pressure on me next week to make some money. Uh, but like I said, you got to be willing to lose, 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 and then hit that one big ticket. Um, this is not going to pay that much, but it, it'll set me up for, for a couple months here. GQ, what's your bet of the week? All right. So I'm going to donate uh, 10, 10 more dollars into my negative fund. Uh, since, since you tell me I need to find value and it seems like all the only horses I like are pretty chalky. So why not? The one horse that intrigued me longest shot on the board in the ninth race, the forward gal, number four, 20 to one morning line, Queen Aurela or Aurelia, um, 10 to win, big spender. Big spend. All right. Your strategy now, I think is you bet $10 a week where I'm betting the maximum 40 a week. And you're just hoping I keep losing. And every week you get $30 closer until I get a negative behind you. But um, I'm up 64, you're down 79. So it's about a hundred, uh, whatever that is difference, $130 difference between us. So it'll be about a hundred this week if we both lose. Um, but anyway, at least you picked we'll a good jockey. This, if we keep doing this podcast for another 10 years, I might catch up to you. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be fine, but at least you got a good jockey, the best junior Alvarado, the best Jerry, the best. That, that, that's why gold, gold, Jerry, I tell you. <laughs> All right. Doug, Doug was patient enough to, uh, to listen to that little ramble. So, uh, Doug, once again, thank you. You're, uh, you're always, uh, a, a great either fill in or guest in this case, uh, on the show. And, uh, for those who, uh, maybe don't know you or don't follow you on Twitter, you want to throw out your, uh, Twitter handle. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at LD McPherson. Uh, I don't tweet a ton lately, but <laughs> if, if you want to see my occasional musing, that's where to find me. Um, and you can find my handicappers journal during the woodbine season on the woodbine website. So I thought that's where I'm at. And when, when, when is woodbine scheduled? I know there's issues there, but when is it scheduled to start or do they not even put out a schedule? No, uh, we've got our current dates out. We're scheduled to start in mid April, like normal. I can't remember the exact date. Um, hopefully, you know, COVID restrictions in Ontario are a bit, um, you know, bit less tight by then and we will be able to race, but yeah, that right now the plan is mid April. All right. I hope so too. Looking forward to it. GQ, any final words of wisdom for everyone? No, I just want to thank Doug once again for, for coming on and excellent in, insight because I know he, he follows the game very closely and uh, can provide uh, good banter. So thanks again, Doug. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to be on. All right. Thanks, Doug. And thanks to our listeners. And good luck this weekend. Enjoy the Holy Bull. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Take care, all.